Welcome to the Codependent Me Podcast. I'm Tamara Shaw, a recovering codependent, a codependent life coach, and the co-author of God Turned Mommy's Wine Into Water. This podcast was created to increase the awareness of codependency and to give a more holistic look at the journey and healing of codependence. Welcome to the Codependent Me podcast. I am your host, Tamala Shah. Today, I am excited to have a special guest. He is Edward Smink. He is the caregiver's coach, which is fantastic, something that we are all, you know, we're all in our caregiving. We all sometimes forget about certain things in our caregiving, but he is the founder of the Soul of Caregiving Coaching Practice. As well, he is the author of an awesome book called The Soul of Caregiving. So welcome to the show, Edward. Yes, there it is. It's a be- it's such a beautiful book. You guys have to get out and get it. You can find it on Amazon. And uh, first of all, let's just welcome to the show. <laughs> well, thank you, Tamela. I'm just excited to be able to share some of the wisdom I've learned uh, as a uh, person who went through compassion fatigue and burnout. And so I just decided that I was going to share that wisdom as, as a gift to others that they can understand that you can overcome it and you could prevent it and you can get back to being human again. It's something (laughs) It's something that I have learned. And I always say, well, look at me, you know, look, look what's happened to me. And so I come from that perspective. I don't like using the term I am a survivor because that means that could go into victimhood. I want to say that I have been able to learn from this experience of going through compassion fatigue that led to severe burnout. And that has prompted me as part of my mission and spiritual journey to want to reach out and help others. I love that. I love that you can, you know, you have had certain things happen in your life when it comes to being a caregiver, you've had certain fatigue, you know, and you learn from it. You're like, I'm going to put it together. I'm going to coach people on it. I'm going to write a book about it so that people will know first and foremost, you can recognize it and know what to do in it. Right. So the first thing I'd like to ask you, who do you consider caregivers? Like, Who is a caregiver? Well, I have learned to expand the notion of caregivers because most of us in our culture think caregivers are those just involved in health care. But I say we're all caregivers because at the heart of being human is to care. So who are the caregivers? Parents who care for their children. Spouses who care for each other, adult children who care for their elderly parents, first responders, firefighters, police officers, educators, therapists, coaches, pastors. We're all caregivers because we care. And so, from that perspective, I want to reach out to anyone 
who feels that they're burdened or feel feels that they're stuck or feels that there's no way out. And I want to say, yes, there is a way out. And we can talk about that. I love that because in that caregiving, as we talked about earlier um, in the pre-show, you kind of put yourself second. And that's, you know, within like with the whole codependency thing that we talk about, sometimes in that caregiving or in those roles that you just talked about, you forget about yourself, right? Um, I'm not saying that that's codependent in any kind of way, because this this particular show is about caregivers and the fatigue that they can sometimes come across and how to recognize it and what to do about it. But in that, I just like to say that all of the, the areas that you just talked about, sometimes you are in that and you kind of forget about yourself, which is what you call um, compassion fatigue. So can you explain to anyone in the audience who's never heard of that, that term before, what is compassion fatigue? Well, compassion fatigue, compassion comes from a, a, two Latin words, which means come, which means together, and passio means to suffer. And I don't know a, a caregiver or a parent, parent or those that I just mentioned I don't know a caregiver who doesn't suffer because they love. And so loving, just the act of loving, you know, a, a parent going through the, the tumult of a, of a teenage son or daughter, you know, or a child who's sick. They suffer because they want the best of it. So fatigue is normal. We get, we get tired, you know, doing normal things. Compassion fatigue is when a person is doing what they love and they get exhausted. It's, 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 it's an occupational hazard of caregiving. And so all of us, to some extent, experience what's called compassion fatigue. And it might occur because of the codependency we have in our profession. We don't want to break out of of the what's expected of us and acknowledge that there's something that we need to address, which I'll which I'll talk about. Right. And so, from from that perspective, um, Charles Figley wrote a book, Compassion Fatigue, and he said we as caregivers are vicariously affected by those we care for which means it's not happening to us, but because we're listening to all these particular stories, it does affect us. And, and then therefore we, we can develop uh, acute phases of compassion fatigue. And I, I wanna stress the importance that it's doing what we love. So compassion fatigue is different than burnout. Burnout, is when we are working in an organization that doesn't accept our gifts, that doesn't accept our humanity, that that it's like we're a Sisyphus going up the mountain with this big rock, and no matter what we do, it's not good enough. We're not we're not welcomed or or, or received as as being a a person with gifts. 
And that's where a person burns out and they need to make choices about whether or not they can stay in that position. Because if you're not being um, supported by that organization, why are you working there? Right. When I went through burnout, I had to leave the organization because I, I just could not, I could not stay in it because it was not feeding me. Yeah, no longer serving you. That's good. That's really, really good. So there is a difference between burnout and compassion fatigue. That's good. Very simple. Very simple. One is doing what you love. The other is doing what your ideals are not met in the organization. Right. Yeah. So those of us who are in compassion fatigue, how do we overcome it? Well, if you're exhausted, what do you normally do? See, we normally take a break. Yes. Okay, so you may you may have had an experience with one of your children and you go, whew, I need to go take the dog for a walk. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's very simple things and, and so it's it's self-care, but I call self-care soul care. I call it soul care. Can you, you you just can hear the difference in in my voice, the resonance. You know, soul is very deep. Uh, James Hillman, a a a um, a depth psychologist, says, you know, the the language of psychology is the psyche, but when you speak of soul, you go deeper. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a depth there's a depth to soul. So I call it soul care. And I'll talk more about that in relationship to um, some, some of the symptoms. Okay. But that's, that's the focus of, so if you're in going through compassion fatigue, the question is, will you acknowledge it? That's true. And true. that goes into the three cultural taboos that I've done in my research that caregivers struggle with to seek care. The first is exactly what I'm talking about, that I acknowledge within myself that there's an issue that I cannot handle by myself. That's countercultural to our, to our Western way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Because we're convinced that we are like Superman or Superwoman, that we're invincible. And we come from the myth of Horatio Alger, who, who says that if we only keep trying harder and harder and harder and harder and harder, we'll make it. But that doesn't work. It doesn't work when you're going through compassion fatigue and or later burnout. And so the first First cultural taboo says, don't trust yourself. Don't trust what's going on within you. And if you, yes, and and oftentimes there's a cultural response to that. You know know what a a mobile, mobile is. 
you know, it's something that has a balance. But once you get out of the balance, you know, everyone wants to bring you back into it. Yeah. And so it, it takes a lot of courage to put the people around you to be able to support yourself and to recognize to recognize that you have people that will support you. So that, that's the first cultural taboo, is to acknowledge and trust something is going on within you and, and, and to acknowledge it. The second taboo is, is, is don't tell anyone about your story. Don't share or communicate what's happening to you. In our culture, we have to be tough. And if we acknowledge that we have something to talk about, we will be considered that we're weak, we're not holding up to the, uh, the bargain of our job, and, and, and who, who, who would wanna work with us? So what I, the antidote to that is to trust someone that you can tell your story. Who do you trust that will listen? And that's, that's the main aspect, to listen. And the State Department, when they, when they uh, train diplomats, they use a Chinese formula that says when you listen, you use both ears. When you listen, you pull yourself away so that you can hear. And, it, it, and so if I'm going to want to talk to my pastor or a counselor or my spouse or my best friend, I don't want them to give me advice. I want them to listen to my story. So that's the second taboo is not to share your story, not to communicate it. The third taboo is big boys don't cry and big girls are too emotional and they're both wrong. It also means that we, we, are, we are told not to share our feelings, mm-hmm. stuff your emotions. And I always say, stuff your emotions until they blow up because your soul or psyche will constantly bring things up for you to look at. Mm -hmm. And if you don't allow yourself to feel that you can hold what what you feel you can't hold, you know, you just keep going on and on and on like a hamster in a cage. And so that's, that's the... Third is to the cultural taboo is is not to share your feelings, but the remedy to that is to be able to acknowledge I have these different feelings. When I went through burnout, I had to recognize I was so angry. I was so angry at myself for not listening to what was going on that was in my in my soul and heart. And when I tried to ask for help to the co-directors that I was working with kept on saying, snap out of it. You know, you don't need to take a day off. We got to get this done. And I was, so I was angry at myself, but
but I was also angry in, in, in those that didn't support me. Mm-hmm. So I had to acknowledge, you know, my mother used to say, I'm so angry, I could chew nails. You know, you can imagine the anger. <laughs> um, and so, you know, in, in, the, in the U.S., there's so many different cultures. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you could think of the African-American culture, which tends to want to work together. And how how different that is from the English or or um, other American culture that says you're an individual, right. and so you can see how that conflicts right there, mm-hmm. where the tendency is is in the African American or the Mediterranean cultures it's to work together, and often the individual is lost in the in the um, British understanding that we inherited of the individual what's lost is is the is the working together with with our families so they're both they're they both lead to the same conclusion i have to break out of that mold Mm -hmm. anyway those are the three cultural taboos that's good so if there is someone in the audience that feels as though they are going through this compassion fatigue. Um, just to kind of confirm feelings, name some of the things that they may be going through to let them know that this is what it is. Oftentimes they find themselves isolating themselves. They find themselves not trusting their spouse or friends or teammates. Uh, they find themselves uh, being emotionally unstable. They might have, uh, and this is also for burnout, they might have a physical uh, symptoms, insomnia, uh, uh, overeating or undereating, gastric I- issues. Uh, they might find a sense of hopeless, feel a sense of hopelessness and, and a lack of empowerment. In, in some cases, they might even feel, um, have suicidal ideation, mm. you know, that they, you know, I can't take this anymore. You know, there's a difference between um, people that may want to commit suicide. Some, some may say, I just want to be dead. But others may say the pain within me is too much. And I'm thinking of suicide. See the difference? Yes. And so is it possible to know that the pain you feel, I call it soul pain. And, and, and Michael Kearney wrote a book called soul pain. And it's about, you know, can I listen to that ache within me, that ache within me that's telling me, and again, this is psyche and soul saying, hello, hello, hello. Yes. You know, this is, this is our innermost being telling us, can you give me some room? Can you, can you listen to what I'm trying to tell you? Right. So that soul pain will often lead us to seek help. Yeah. That soul pain is so real. Um, it's almost suffocating. It is suffocating. I've been there. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had that particular pain. 
And you are absolutely right. It is suffocating and you just want the pain to end. You want someone to come and just lighten things so that you can breathe. Right. right? So. And and there's like a wrench in your stomach. You know, you want to bend over because it's, 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 it's so deep. Right. Yes. Soul pain. That's good. That's really, really good. I like those. Uh, I mean, I, I not I like. <laughs> I think that those uh, those items that you listed, as far as if I'm going through compassion fatigue, these are the things I may feel on the inside. Like you are absolutely on point with the with the isolating and the emotions and just all of that. That's really, really good. And thank you for sharing the name of those books. I've got them written down. Um, he says, that's really, really good. You had on your, we spoke about, about this earlier. Um, I was on your website and you uh, had a cartoon and it had on there, there is no shame in admitting that you are human. That was big because as caregivers, we put this cape on and we feel as though, you know, we have to do this. We have to do that. We cannot fail. We cannot fail the person. We cannot fail ourselves when in all actuality, we're human. And, and when we when we put this cape on, in my opinion, <laughs> we're, we're putting ourselves in the box to fail, right? Um, what made you pick that to put in there? I think it hit me. I was like, oh, that's just perfect. Yes, we are human. We have the right to self-care or soul care. <laughs> Well, oftentimes we, it goes back to that myth that we are invincible. And to be human is to acknowledge that there's times when I need rest, there's times when I could give, and there's times I feel worn out. And we often think that if we make a mistake, we say, oh, I'm just human. And I go, no, 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 you're inhuman. Because to be human is to be totally who we are made in, 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 from my belief, in the image and likeness of God. So there's something very sacred about who I am. And, and that sacredness is, has to do with, with being a, a, a child of the creator. And, and so how, how do we acknowledge that like if i say to you you did a good job today tamala what would be your first response thank you well that's wonderful most would say it's just my job yeah, i've been there <laughs> they, they, they dismiss it yeah. and so yeah. yes so when you talk about coaching you're talking about someone that will hold the crisis until the person gains that sense of, of certitude that they lost. So if you're a parent and a child is, or an educator and a child is having difficulty and runs up to you, what do you do? You grab them, you hold them. Yeah. Well, caregivers do that all the time with those who they care for. Having a coach, the coach does that to the caregiver. 
the character, the coach holds the crisis. And we often feel we can't hold it. But that's the gift of who we are. We can hold it as the person works through the, the goals that they set up mm-hmm. to be able to make appropriate decisions. That is good, good stuff. So you are the coach for the caregivers, which is phenomenal. So if there's someone in the audience that needs this guidance, they need to be held <laughs> and, uh, you know, guided to this soul care. How can they contact you? Well, they can go easily to my website, thesoulofcaregiving.com. And there it says, um, make an appointment, a free appointment to discuss what's going on or their need. And you could also order my book directly from there or, um, or on Amazon. I would say that a a professional coach can help, but also a a pastor or a um, family uh, a spouse or a good friend can also be that person. But that that's a matter of personal perspective. And and also recognizing, does that person understand or is that person willing to listen to my story? So from your experience, you know, you, you said I've been there, which means I could understand what you're saying. Yes. So therefore, you're able to understand and reach out to those that you want to serve as, as a, a podcaster. You want, you want others to understand that it that I have a sense of knowing what you're going through because guess what? I've been there. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I love the way you talked about the mobile because it takes so many different items to balance it. So in my head, when you said that, I could see the people uh, that will help me balance who I am, what I do, how I do it, right? And at some point in life, sometimes things do get a little bit tilted. (laughs) So you have to look at that mobile to say, where, where, where is it either light or too heavy? And that's when you make, that's when you make, you know, the, the adjustments to be even again. Some of some of the people you think you can rely on aren't those people. Right. And it may <laughs> excuse me. No it may force you to go through a period of, of, of grief because your best friend isn't your best friend. And I um, I went through that with a group that I was working with. I thought I could rely on them. And they they said no, they couldn't they couldn't deal with what I was what I was um, facing because if they chose to help me, they would have to deal with the same issues in themselves. So it may it may it may be that the person has to recognize I can't fix that mobile, 
but I'm going to create a new one. Right. And, and I will I will engage with those that understand and support me. And eventually that happens. You build a new one, but one that's supporting you, not one that's dysfunctional. Right. Absolutely. That's beautiful. I like it. Uh, we also talked about how um, when in burnout or um, the compassion fatigue, you can sometimes forget what the original call to service was within. Uh, and I was telling you that I had gone through uh, compassion fatigue myself in May and had to take some time off in order to kind of get myself, you know, get that mobile straight again. Right? <laughs> and, you know, when I came back, when I had my first podcast, I was a bit nervous, but as soon as I went live, I felt that spark, you know, that passion was there again, and it was just beautiful. So you're right, when you're in that compassion fatigue, you can sometimes forget like the original cause of why I was doing this. It, it, it's almost like a fog comes over you. And, and I mean, I want to congratulate you that you recognized that you needed a break. See, you listen, you listen to your own own soul. And that's that's I want to stress that to everyone. You know, you can listen, but that listening will tear you apart from the dysfunction you're in. Yes. And and that's what that's what most caregivers are fearful of. You know, what is it what is this really telling me about myself? And I may not want to go there. But if you know you're supported, you're able to. I use the term step by step. The Italians say piano piano, which means step by step, you know, and 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 recovery from compassion fatigue is quicker than recovery from burnout. But there is there is the hope of recovery, but it's it's not like instantaneous. It's we're not knocked off our off our horse and say, oh now I get it. And there's a process of, uh, that needs to be uh, going on. And I remember asking my, the person who really saved my life, because when I was at the verge of burnout, I, I was at a retreat. I was conducting this retreat with the other two directors. And I was making spaghetti, spaghetti sauce in the kitchen. You know, that's a, I always say, a mio cuore italiano, my heart's Italian. And so I was making this spaghetti sauce and right in the middle of it, I broke down and I said, I can't take this anymore. And I went to the two other directors and I said, I have to leave. They said, you can't leave. This was a leadership workshop for the group that we worked for. You're you're co-directing this retreat. I said, "I, I have to go. And I started leaving and the director said, well, I'm really too busy now, so I can't help you. And I said to myself, well, I really don't want your help. So, you know, as I left, I had this deep sense I need help. And a year before I was on this retreat and this wonderful um, pastor, a Jesuit, who was also a psychotherapist, said, Ed, if you ever need help, call me. 
so I called him. And I was able to, um, he said, I want to see you three times a week. I said, okay. And the three times a week went to uh, twice a week, went to once a week, went to every other week. But it took a long time, almost a year. And I was fortunate enough to be able to um, take that break. And, and But I didn't recognize until recently what he was doing. He was holding me in the crisis. Beautiful. And so I asked him one day, I said, after a month, I said, how long is this, this going to take? And he, he scratches his head and he said, how long were you in this conflict? I said, about three years. He said, it's going to take you three years to get over it. You're bankrupt. And, and you'll, you'll recognize when you're on the other side of the bridge. And three years later, I did. I recognized, you know, that I was, I was regaining all that energy back. And so I said on a scale of one to 10, where am I? 10 being the worst. And he said, well, you're between eight and nine. And I consider 10 irreversible. That's how, that's how bad it was. Mm. And again, you know, God's grace and and everything working, I was able to uh, get well. And, and I have a deep, deep respect, you know, for him because I say he saved my life. And I have a deep respect for you because you acknowledged it and you did the needful. That's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, it has been such a pleasure having you on here. I am just thrilled (laughs) with this episode. I've taken so many notes and so many things that I'm going to, you know, follow up on and all of that good stuff. But, and I, I know that the audience will definitely, you know, have some great nuggets and, and, and things to take notes for as well. Um, but if you could leave the audience with one thing, what would you say? I would say, don't despair. Don't feel guilty in what you're feeling. We all have normal reactions to traumatic events. And it's important to know that you can unravel from all the love and care that you've given. And right now, the skills you have that you, you, you gave to others, you have to use now for yourself. That is wonderful. <laughs> and we thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. This is going to change lives. And I thank you for being available and of service. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. And as I tell the audience every episode, you matter and your story matters. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you. I understand that nothing is more valuable than your time. So thank you for listening. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Codependent Me. And check out my website at codependentme.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day.